0: greetings everybody welcome to the first ever episode of the beard and curls podcast i'm jeremiah that's him she's vanya that's me we're glad you could join us and make history with us in a nutshell beard and curls is about dating relationships marriage mental health and so much more without further ado cue that intro
1: What's up, guys? It's your girl, Margo Bingham. Karen Parsons.
0: You're now tuned in. You're now tuned in.
1: You're now tuned in. You are now tuned in. You are now tuned in. To Beard and Curls. Beard and
2: Curls. Beard and Curls. Beard and Curls. Beard and Curls. Keep it locked.
1: Our guest today is a licensed psychologist. He's a TV show host, a researcher, an author, as well as the founder and CEO of XY Connection. Dr. Jacob, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me.
0: All right. Glad you could be here. And so just a little backstory. Now, we've known Doc now for about four or five years. And so it feels like a lifetime that we've known each other. And like I told you before, Doc, we wanted you to be the first guest on our show. So we're glad you could honor us with that request.
3: Thank you. Appreciate it.
0: So then uh, let's get right into it. So can you explain to our audience what XY Connection is all about? Like specifically, what do the letters
3: X and Y mean? Okay. So we have different ways that we connect with each other. And those ways are obviously through interaction, mostly through communication and intimacy. So X really means high and Y means low, which means that we have different needs when it comes to interaction, when it comes to connection. Some people prefer to be more connected or to feel more connected, and they would be the X types, right? Mm -hmm. Other people feel they want a little bit more space, a little bit more distance. They're not too talkative. Or they're not too touchy feely, and those would be your Y types. Mm-hmm. So it's important to know what your needs are because if you find yourself constantly trying to connect with someone who is a completely different interaction type or style, then it becomes very, um, very uncomfortable. Okay.
0: Okay. So how did you settle on those two particular letters, X and Y?
3: They're arbitrary, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have a lot of people that ask, okay, is this like X chromosome and Y chromosome? Well, they're not. I could have used m and n um y and z you know i could have used anything else okay. but um i just settled on x and y and it sounded good so i went with it
1: okay so i'm just curious like how does a typical x or typical y look like can you describe a few things about these okay. uh, so steps?
3: remember we're looking at three different um categories of interaction right
1: mm-hmm. we're
3: looking at communication we're looking at intimacy and we're looking at what we call connectivity mm-hmm. so Let me start with connectivity because connectivity is like a broad umbrella. Some people need more space in a relationship and other people need more closeness or more togetherness. So from the start, if you are the type of person that you need a little space, but you have a partner that um, needs more togetherness where you guys are almost always doing things together,
2: Mm -hmm. then
3: that partner is going to feel like they're not getting enough of you. And you're going to feel like they're a bit too clingy. So that's connectivity in a nutshell. So if you're an X type in connectivity, it means that you want to do things with your partner most of the time. You never get tired of having them around. X type in communication, Mm -hmm. that's easy. Think about high and low. So remember, X is high, Mm -hmm. Y is low. So basically, your Y types need less communication to connect or to feel close definitely you'd have your Y types not wanting to do things like send extra long texts
0: uh, A Y type would be somebody who would respond with the letter k
3: in the text right <laughs> Good. glad you mentioned that so so we, we, we noticed quite quite um by accident we mm-hmm. noticed when we asked folks to check their their text you know the length of the text mm-hmm. at the time we were just um We were just thinking that maybe the text would be longer for for X-types and shorter for Uh Y-types. Until we noticed that Y-types tended to respond, no matter how long the text is, they would respond with the letter K, as in a shortened form of OK. So if you really wanted to find out if somebody was a Y-type and you're a little confused and you're not sure, Uh um, just say, hey, do you mind if I see your your phone for a minute? If they could trust you, right? Because Y-types tend to have a lot of trust issues Uh with regard to privacy. Mm -hmm. But if you could get that phone and you can check and Mm -hmm. you see a bunch of Ks corresponding to a a bunch of long text, then you know that you're dealing with a Y-type in communication. Okay. Okay.
1: And what does this mean exactly? Like, for example, like the X writes like something pretty long and then the Y-type says um, K or OK. That's it. Does it mean that the Y-type cares less? than the X-type because the X-type is so expressive. Like, how can we interpret this? Mm
3: -hmm. Okay, so that's a good question. So all of this all this entire exercise with regard to XY communication or XY connection is to figure out how you could tell that your partner still cares. Because the majority of time, the partner is still in love with you and still cares, but you're misinterpreting the way they're interacting with you. That's the whole problem. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So yes. If you are the one that keeps uh, making conversation, you're making small talk, you're trying to engage your partner and your partner keeps shutting it down,
2: mm-hmm. your
3: brain automatically will tell you that your partner is probably not that into you. Okay. But that could be the furthest thing from the truth. That might not be it at all.
1: Okay. So what
3: our test does, because we have created a test out of this, our test allows you to test your partner to see if, if they're white type mm-hmm. because if they're Y-type, then you could say to yourself, okay, it's not that he's not into me. It's not that he's no longer in love with me. Mm-hmm. It just means that he doesn't need as much of these things that I need to feel connected. Does mm-hmm. that make sense?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, okay, mm-hmm. all yeah. right. So, um, you talked about the um, the test just now. Now we've taken the test before. I'm an X. She's an X. So are there like different levels between the letters? Like, so I, can two X's still feel the difference between between the two of them?
3: Yeah, you can so x is a pretty broad scale but right now you can just be a straight simple x or you can be a high x so on the high end of that scale we have folks who have really really high needs in every category so x has about 14 or 15 different categories you know different types of behavior that contribute to feeling close right Mm -hmm. um and so the test measures all of those 15 types and if the individual is, is is scoring really, really, really high in each category, then they'll find themselves with really high scores and they'll be what you call a high X. Okay. So what that means is you might be a lower X. You might be so low that you're almost a Y. Mm-hmm. Now, when that gap is a, that wide, you would you definitely have one partner or both partners feeling um, a sense of disconnection.
1: Okay. So we talked about communication and connectivity. So what else can you share?
3: Right, so the third aspect that we're missing is intimacy. Okay. Okay. And intimacy is exactly what it sounds like. Mm -hmm. How intimate does your partner need to be to feel connected? Remember, each of these are ways that people would interact so that they can feel closer to their partner. Mm -hmm. But what we found is some folks need less intimacy Mm-hmm. Than others, and they would be your Y types, and some folks need more intimacy, and they would be your X types. Mm-hmm. But intimacy, you know, it's a broad category. You have sometimes you're talking about um, someone saying "I love you," mm-hmm. a lot. Other times you're talking about holding hands. Mm-hmm. But even that can be broken down. Like some people are okay with holding hands and being huggy and touchy feely in the house. Mm -hmm. But then once they step outside, they're not comfortable doing that anymore. It's what we call PDA or public display of affection. They're not comfortable with that. Mm
2: -hmm. But it
3: doesn't mean that they don't care. It just means that that aspect of intimacy is just one aspect that they're not comfortable with. So again, we measure about somewhere between 13 and 15 areas of intimacy. And we're able to tell you specifically which areas you need. So that your partner could step up his game to help you to feel, you know,
1: connected. So let's say somebody was uh, in a relationship um, with someone, right? Uh-huh. And this person had a high need for intimacy. And let's say the relationship didn't work out. So this person is in a new relationship. Would that mean that um, that this person would encounter the same problems, or is this is this um, theory like something relative, depending on the person you're with?
3: Right. So it is relative. So remember, when we talk about a personality, like we talk about a Y-type personality or an X-type personality, we're really talking about an interactive personality. Mm-hmm. Okay. And since it, it's interactive, it means that it could change, you know, in terms of what it looks like based on who you're interacting with. So I think you were asking about a high X person that was in a relationship maybe with a lower X or a low Y. Yes. And they weren't feeling very satisfied and then the relationship ended. Yes. Okay. First off, we tend, just like everything else in life, we tend to be attracted to the opposite. So opposites still attract, even even in XY connection theory, right? Mm-hmm. Opposites still attract. So that friend, if it's a friend or someone that you know, that person is likely to go back again and find another man, another partner that is also Y type, okay. simply because she may be attracted to men like that, to partners like that. So here's where XY connection comes in. The important thing is for that friend to go and take the test so that they know exactly the level of their need so that the next time they go out there to date or to connect with someone, they can find someone that is more within that range. Because remember, this is brain science. This is really neuroscience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's all about your brain feeling satisfied with the person that you're with. And that happens when your brain feels like that person is meeting your needs. Mm -hmm. If the person is not meeting your needs, there's nothing you could say to your brain, you know, to feel better about it. So what you could do to help is to make sure that you get tested and that you don't date anyone that isn't tested, mm-hmm. so that you guys can be on the same level.
1: Okay. So let's say you are in a relationship and there is a gap and you feel that you know that there is a difference. Um, what can you do in order to still make it work? Is there still hope?
3: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So 85% of the people we've tested uh, were in what we call X Y relationships. Okay. Eighty-five mm-hmm. percent—that's pretty high. It
0: is high.
3: Yeah. So you don't want to tell people, okay, you know, hey, you know, just throw in the towel and find somebody else. We're talking about eighty-five percent of the people, right? So you don't want to do that, um, and you especially won't want to do that because it's a very easy fix.
2: Mm-hmm. You
3: simply need to find the specific area where the the gap occurs, and then you get both partners to make adjustments. Now, depending on on who you talk to, if you went to a therapist, if you went to a psychologist they may say to you okay the partner that is giving too little Mm -hmm. is the partner that's at fault that's that's how our our therapy our our models are set up this is why xy connection is a completely different model Mm -hmm. xy connection says look nobody's at fault there's no blaming possible here it's pure science you might need more hand holding and i need less Mm -hmm. so what we do is we meet each other halfway you need to learn to tolerate less hand holding and I need to learn to tolerate a little more. So let's suppose let's use a let's use a different measure that's easier to to, to, to um you know articulate. Um let's say love. So let's say you needed to hear I love you five times a day. Let's mm-hmm. just say that. that's a little much you know most people don't need that much but let's go with that. You need five times a day. Now let's suppose you are with someone who wants to say it once a month.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And then yeah once a month right some people no really there's some people out there that would say it once a month maybe even less than that and their Mm -hmm. argument is if i told you last month that i loved you and nothing happened in between why do i have to say it again (laughs) right (laughs) nothing changed why do i have to keep saying it
1: and then even now i was going to ask him how how many times do you need
3: how many times do i
0: need to hear yes um i'm not particularly needy in that regard um it is my um you know my need to to hear certain things, but I think you know if you say it enough, I think I'll be all right with yeah, it.
1: Okay. <laughs> okay.
3: Well, so you're asking well, how, how much do you need Banya?
1: Um well, I think I think we do say it daily. So No no no, not
3: not, not what you say, how much you need.
0: Exactly. How much do you need beyond what I'm doing?
1: I think no. I think I haven't thought about it because you say it enough. That's so, what I'm saying. So you, he tells me every day, and I think I need that, or I like that. I haven't, I haven't felt like something is lacking. Yeah, let me yeah, put it like that. I'd
0: say none of us have felt like it's lacking. Yeah. So so, right.
1: so that's that's interesting because if if you don't feel like something is lacking, then you don't necessarily know what you Correct. need.
3: Correct. Right. So so the fact that you don't feel it means that you guys, in terms of the I love you's, you're within range. Mm-hmm. Okay. So okay. the way we talk about it, it's like a continuum. So mm-hmm. it's like a straight line, and picture that you guys are two avatars on that line. Mm-hmm. And there's some range on that line within which you will feel satisfied. Okay. So then, when folks come to you and they say, hey, my husband isn't saying I love you enough, it just simply means that they are outside of that range.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm.
3: okay so to come in to come within that range they both need to do something this is why i refer to this as co-active intimacy this is this in in this model there's no such thing as one person needing to fix anything it's always systemic it's always two people needing to make some kind of a change so yes. that they come within range so,
0: that so Mm -hmm. I'm trying to cut you. So, how do you deal with people then who who never think of themselves as having to make any adjustments? If you're not someone who's flexible in that regard, can this model work for you?
3: It can, but then that's a different problem. That's a problem with adaptability. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay. Which which now the three that I gave you guys um, intimacy, communication, and connectivity. Those three I call those my basic connection model. Okay. It means that if we start with those. Okay. You have to have those. You don't even need to worry about anything else if you don't have those. Okay. So you start by fixing those, and then, but outside of that, there are others like interactivity, which we can talk about. You know, for another show. At another show, um, mm-hmm. there's interactivity. Then there's adaptability. The science is showing us that the 80% of people who are dissatisfied in marriage failed to find out what the person that they were getting married to would be like. So it's really that the brain was disappointed. And it's very easy to disappoint the brain. You remember, you, you're dating, right? So you're putting your best foot forward, you're doing the, all the things that your partner likes,
2: mm-hmm.
3: and um, and your brain gets used to that. So any time, any period in your life, in a, in a human being's life, when there's a, a flood of, of hormones, that's a time that the brain does a lot of tagging, meaning that it's, it's, it's almost like taking pictures of the memories. And getting used to certain memories. So dating, that's a a time when there's a flood of hormones and your brain literally remembers what it felt like to date. And then all of a sudden we get married and we're not dating anymore. Everything stops. And your brain is like, what happened? Where are the flowers? Where are the movies? How come I'm not hearing I love you? Why aren't you guys holding and touching? And your brain freaks out. Mm -hmm. your brain eventually gets disappointed. Your brain eventually gets to the point where it's like, you know what, I guess this is not going to happen. And you begin to feel disappointed. And then your brain starts to communicate that. And you feel that in the relationship. And then the fights begin. And then the conflict begins.
1: I'm glad you mentioned this, because this reminded me of the difference between um, social and relationship personalities. So can you tell us a little bit more about that?
3: Right. So when we started doing this research, now this is like 10 years in, of research, we've been doing quite a lot of research over a long time, we've actually tested uh, about, I would say almost 5,000 couples now. Mm -hmm. So we have a good sense of how this works and both um, unmarried couples and married couples. Mm -hmm. So when we first started, we began to notice that people were exhibiting different um, interactive personalities. So there seemed to be one personality that emerges when you're interacting on a social level and then a completely different personality that emerges once you get in a relational mode.
2: Okay.
3: It's so it's so severe it's almost like a split personality. It's it's like uh it's probably the reason why so many people say this is not the husband that I I this this husband is not the man that I married. Or he's not the man that I yeah. dated. You hear that a lot. Yes. You hear that a lot, right? That a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the reason is is very simple. So your brain has to negotiate quite a bit of interaction so in a social setting your brain has to make sure that you present yourself in a good light Mm -hmm. if you're at work it has to make sure that you present yourself in a respectable light so even if you thought that your boss was a jerk Mm -hmm. or an idiot i guarantee that you you've probably never gone up to your boss and told him exactly how you felt about him right
0: sound like you have somebody in mind
3: Uh, (laughs) not anymore not anymore I really like the boss that I have right now. I really don't like worry, the, the people worry, that I
2: work with right not. now.
3: Yeah, 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 yeah. Which means I kinda, you know, I like myself because I'm my own boss now. Okay. But but there have been times in the past when you know I've had my 9 to 5 job and and I you know didn't really get along with the folks that I worked with. And yes, I felt I could have made better decisions than they did, but I never said so. Okay. And here's the thing: you've had some friends where you've pretty much told them what you thought about them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's because your brain controls all of this negotiation. Your brain tells you, you cannot afford to lose your job. So mm-hmm. your brain doesn't allow you to make those mistakes. So mm-hmm. it, it keeps you in a social personality mode, in which case you're you, you nicer, you sweeter, you're kinder, you're more helpful in the social mode. Mm-hmm. But that does not necessarily mean that that's who you are. Okay. So who you are is really who you're with, with the people that you love the most.
0: Okay.
2: And
3: that's not always the best you. That's not always the best person, unfortunately. I
0: understand.
3: So, so your brain does one thing in a social setting. And keep in mind that when you meet someone for the first time and you you navigating getting into a relationship, you're in the social mode, right? Okay. And you can stay there for three months. You can stay there for a year. I've heard of some people staying in that mode for five years. Wow.
0: How can they do that? How can you pretend for that long?
3: Uh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Your brain can do some amazing things. Your brain is very is very goal oriented. So if it takes five years, hey, your brain is gonna do what it needs to do, provide the hormones that it needs, so that mm-hmm. you could be your best self for five years. Mm-hmm. Now on the other end, the brain is is providing hormones in her that cause her to be blinded to your faults. So it's not that there are no faults to be seen, but the brain, the brain is blinding you. And the few that slip by, the brain tells you, oh, this is no big deal. Um, it's no big deal. It, it's, not, it's not going to bother you in the relationship or in the marriage. And then your brain convinces you that you'd be able to say or do something to your partner to get them to change. Now, mm-hmm. that's the biggest lie that the brain tells you in the social setting. Okay. Now, as soon as you move to a state where the brain feels, oh, the goal is, uh, is achieved, whatever that goal is, it might be to get the person to say, okay, we're together, I'm your boyfriend, I'm your girlfriend, we, we're dating, we're exclusive. That might be the goal. For some people, the goal is, hey, do you want to move in with me? Let's, you know, mm-hmm. let's live together. And for some people, the, the, the goal is marriage. Whatever you tell your brain the goal is, your brain will keep that, that game up, keep that pretense up until you get it. And as soon as you're in and your brain thinks that everything is safe and signed and sealed and delivered, mm-hmm. your brain pulls back on the hormones. All the hormones that were being produced to cause you to be blinded. And guess what? Now you're not blind anymore. Your eyes are wide open.
1: So can this can this change happen like from one day to the to the other?
3: And it can. And you've heard people who, who have said that the, the day after, the day after the wedding, they started to see oh, wow. who the partner was. You've heard that.
0: <laughs> the day after the
3: wedding. The day after. Some, some folks don't even get the honeymoon. No. The day after. Oh
0: boy. So yeah. then Let me ask you this, though, because I think you're bringing up a good point. So the brain will work with you, kind of like in tandem with you to (laughs) kind of get the job done. At what point does like your morality and things like that kick in? Are there certain things that you may find yourself doing just to get the goal met? Or are there certain things you say, "Okay, I'm just not going to do that because that's just not who I am. I'm not going to go there with that.
3: Right. I get what you're asking. You're almost asking if the brain is working in tandem with you or if it's a conspiracy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cool. well most times it's not a conspiracy most times you actually are being that nice um if you if it were just an act your the other person's brain would have been able to pick up on it okay
2: mm-hmm. but
3: most times it's not just an act and and you you might not know you might not know that you couldn't continue this behavior forever you might actually feel yeah i mean this is not me but i'm so in love with you mm-hmm. that I find myself doing so many things that I've never done before. And you you could actually convince yourself that you will continue to be that. Mm -hmm. But there's no guarantee that you will. In fact, there is a good chance that you won't. So when we created this assessment, this test, we had to create a test that would not measure behavior in the dating social personality phase. Mm -hmm. We had to find something that could measure what your partner would be like on the other side, inside Mm -hmm. of the relationship, one year in, two years in, five years in. Mm-hmm. So the test when you take the test, when you when you give that person the test that you're interested in, that person literally um, if they answer honestly and most people find it difficult not to, um, that person will let you know that okay, this is what they're like on the on the other side which is, I think is, is invaluable. So I wanted to ask
0: you to follow up on that is, what about people whose partner don't want to take the test? How can you uh, circumvent that? How can you work around? So,
3: so we literally created two separate tests. Okay. So there's a test for partners. Like if you have a willing partner, you will take the test. Your partner will take the test and then you can compare the results, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Okay.
3: But we also have a test that we call the rela- re- the reluctant partner test. Okay. And that's because we have quite a few, mostly Y types, by the way, we have quite a few Y types, um, mostly Y types that say, you know what? I don't believe in tests. That's mm-hmm. dumb. That's nonsense. I don't believe in tests. Uh, a test cannot define me. You know, they talk like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you're, you're allowed that then the opportunity to go and take that reluctant partner test for the person. Mm-hmm. And we have found that that test is sometimes even more accurate than what you'd have gotten if the person took it themselves. I was just gonna ask you, like, what was the accuracy of that one? But you just kind of oh, it, it was it was between ninety five and one hundred percent. Wow,
1: wow, yeah. well, that's, that's crazy. Okay, so um, can you give like an example of how an X, uh, no, an X type and a Y type would behave in their social setting, and then in their relationship um, setting? Yeah.
3: Okay, so social setting is really easy, right? Social mm-hmm. setting um okay she's laughing at all his jokes Uh uh-huh everything is funny everything he says is funny
2: okay
3: um she's agreeing to do things that she normally would never do so you they they literally have said that people in that phase they find themselves staying up late at night like you stay up until one in the morning now remember you might be an early bird right you go to sleep with the chickens seven o'clock eight o'clock but now you're up until one o'clock and two o'clock and three o'clock and you play nice. sweet nothings, right? It happens. You just play sweet nothings in each other's air. Oh my gosh, I can't believe the sun is up already. I could talk for seven more hours. Okay.
1: So that's, that's the X F- type or the Y type?
3: Okay, both of them. That's the whole point. You see, in the, in, the, in the social setting, most couples believe that they are compatible. Like they're completely compatible because they've both changed and morphed and shifted into what the other person wants. Okay. So whatever that is, if the other person was an early bird, you might want to go to, to bed earlier and pretend that you too need to be in bed by eight o'clock. That that's how it works. Anything they say, that's what you're gonna do. Oh wow, you like um curry? Yes, I love curry food. I love I love Thai food. It's this my favorite food, even though you know that you're allergic. But you know. <laughs> Today you love, you love this kind of food. You this is my favorite food. How about some coconut water? And you're like, Coconut water, that's weird. Why would I drink that? But now you're like, yes, I've had that before and it's wonderful. Let's have some. And so (laughs) everything appears to be on the same page. I mean, any aspect that you could think about. And if the person said, if the person said, Hey, you know, I'm not really good with money. You know full well that your previous boyfriend was so bad that that it caused you the end of your relationship. But you know what you are likely to say in that social setting? Don't worry about it. I'm really good with money. I will take care of the finances. You don't have to worry about it. Mm. Okay. This is what goes on in the social setting. And so your brain convinces you that you two are a perfect match. That's the point. Yeah,
0: that's so what I was perfect get though, it's, like, it's almost like your brain might be working with you, but it could also be setting you up for failure as well.
3: It is absolutely setting you up.
1: Your brain is not your friend.
3: Then Your brain is not your friend not in dating. This is why in, in some societies they have arranged marriages Okay, sometimes that goes too far because they're paying attention to other factors like financial security and different things that you might not prioritize yes. So it's not an ideal system. But yeah, sometimes it's good to go and ask your friends Hey, what do you think because they don't have the same blinding hormones and, and, you know, we tend to not want to hear from our parents. I don't know about you guys, but I tended to not trust my parents' judgment when it came to dating. Because they were like, no, nah, she's not good for you. And I'm like, and so was the last one and the one before that and the one before that. So, you know what? You are no longer trustworthy. I cannot trust your judgment. But but their judgment obviously was more objective than my judgment. Because remember, I am in hormonal social personality mode, if that makes sense.
2: Okay.
0: And can you speak a little bit to, to these particular hormones that you're referring to?
3: Right. So the main hormone is oxytocin. That's the hormone that you would want, which is the what they call the bonding hormone, right? Okay. So three percent of mammals that exist on the on the planet today, three percent of mammals have some form of oxytocin. It mightn't be the exact oxytocin, but it's the same derivative in terms of chemical formula. And so three percent of mammals are Um, Not not polygamous, right, but monogamous and like human beings. So three percent. And those um, three, that three percent, they have oxytocin flowing through their veins and that oxytocin causes you to feel that the person that you're with is the partner that you want to be with for life. So some people say it's it's like glue. It's like um, love glue. Some people say it's the love hormone. They have different names for it. Right. But there are some animals um, called voles. Just to give you an example, they also have the same hormone in them. And so you have two kind of voles. You have what we call the prairie voles. And yes, they're in the prairie, just like just like the name suggests. And then you have the mountain or mountain voles. And those voles, the voles in the mountain, they found that they, they are polygamous. So seriously, the male will find a female impregnator and take off. He does not stay by her side to help with the young. So the scientists found that the, the, the voles in the prairie, though, they literally would choose a mate, and then they would mate for life. The male would stay by, he would take care of the young, and it's so serious for them that if the male dies, the female never remarries. That's it for them This is the power of oxytocin. Okay. So, so, so here's the thing, X types have been found to have more available oxytocin than Y types. And men, men have a, a, a version of it called vasopressin. So vasopressin kinda does the same thing, but the problem is this you don't know what hormones are operating when you meet someone. And that that is very important. So you have some other hormones. You have dopamine, you have serotonin, and all of these hormones act in concert to to make a a relationship happen. But again, what we've been finding is that when two people get together, if they both have the same intention, they're falling for each other, they're falling in love, then they both have the oxytocin and the vasopressin being released at a very high rate. Um, The more physical they are, the more of that hormone is released to the point of they found that when um, when when folks are sexual um, and they test their blood because scientists have gone that far, right? To test their blood right after. They found that you had five times more oxytocin than when you were just holding hands or kissing. Yeah. Now, let me tell you why this is important. You have no way to know what your partner's relationship personality is, number one. Mm-hmm. And number two, you have no way to know what his true intention is. What if he's just trying to get a date, trying to get close to you for a couple of months with every intention of leaving you. You will not know that. And your body will be producing high levels of oxytocin, especially if you get physical with that individual. Five times the level. Enough to cause you to feel like this person has to be it for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. But if he was not thinking or feeling the same way, then he did not get that flood of of that hormone. And guess what? After you're attached to him and he's gotten what he wanted, he's able to walk away without a problem unscathed no 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 feelings no no hurt feelings no sad feelings no pain whatsoever because he didn't bond to you like you bonded to him because you were the only one that were producing that home and at that level Mm -hmm. so i don't tell i don't try to tell young people what to do with their lives but when their parents and their pastors and their their older friends say hey don't get too physical too fast they kind of knew what they were talking about. It's for their own protection. So so far we've
0: been talking about primarily like, you know, relationships, uh, couples and, and dating and marriages. What about like parent-child relationships? How does this apply to to us say parent, right. to ex and child or wife? Yeah.
3: yeah. So we didn't notice this at first. It took us a few years to notice that um, of course, um your children have their own interactive personalities. Once we start to talk about to parents about this, they realize, oh yeah, of course. I'm an X-type, and my daughter is an X-type, but my son is Y-type. And they could see the differences. So the the Y-type child is very, very similar. They want to talk a lot. You notice that they want to be close to you. They're always under your wing, under your shoulder. You know, they want to be really cuddled cuddled up to you. Now, the Y-type child is the child that wants to be in his or her room all the time. Space from the rest of the family. Um, Privacy, um, just a lot of alone time. Um, and that's the Y type child. Now, if you as a parent you knew that that the reason why your children are different it was not because the child that is saying I love you more really literally loves you more. If you knew that that was not the case and just that they were different in terms of their interactive personality, then you wouldn't you wouldn't get bent out of shape when you feel like you're not getting enough affection or you know what I'm saying or attention from from, from the one child. Now there are some white type parents who feel that the X type child is given too much. You've heard parents say, "Could you just shut up and go to your room? I I I am I'm tired. I'm, I, I don't want to I don't want to hear all these stories. I don't want you ask too many questions." You know, you've, it, you've you've seen this happen. And that happens when parents and children have different personality types. So we've been helping a lot of parents especially in this environment where we are locked down and locked in and mm-hmm. sheltering in place. So we've been helping a lot of parents to give your Y-type child the space that they need. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, currently, we are, we are creating a test for parents to do, just like how they do the reluctant partner test. Mm-hmm. We're creating a, a test that will allow a parent to take the assessment for each child so that they could kind of see where their child is mm-hmm. um, and how, how the child matches up with their personality so they'll know how to make the adjustments.
0: Uh, I can tell you that that can't come soon enough uh, for some parents.
1: Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. So how would an ex personality type show affection in a relationship setting?
3: So it depends. Um, I've written a book. It's called XY Theory. And I encourage folks to get it because what that book does, it breaks down the individual aspects of intimacy. Mm -hmm. Remember, it's about um, almost 15 different types of intimacy. And so your ex type could be showing one type, but not showing another. And so the problem without with not knowing exactly what type, um, what aspect of X-typeness you might have is that you might make adjustments to one thing when in fact you should be making adjustments to another. Mm-hmm. Like if you are if you are, let's say you are Y-type and your partner is X-type, mm-hmm. and you figured out from the test that, okay, we're X and Y, and Dr. Jacob said, I need to show more intimacies. Mm-hmm. You might start to tell your partner I love you five times a day because that's what you think they needed. No. When in fact, your partner does not care about that at all.
2: Mm-hmm. What
3: your partner needed was for you to ask him how his day was when he came home from work. Mm-hmm. And you, you, there's no way for you to know that without actually taking the test and actually going through those items in the book. So the book really is kind of like a self-coach um, book okay. if you want to look at it that way okay. so you could literally self-coach yourself and, and and make the adjustments that you need to but it's really difficult to make that adjustment without knowing specifically what your partner needs but yes i think that it's possible to self-coach with that book and of course if um after you do all of that if you guys are still having problems then we do have um, workshops available, we have coaching available. Um, this is this is a new concept. so we're trying to make ourselves available to the public in any way that we can because it's it's very different from anything that you've heard before.
0: I was gonna ask you about that. I'm glad you brought that up. So what sets this model apart from other uh, models that we've we've learned about over the years?
3: Okay, so over the last twenty five years, if you think about any of the best selling um, self-help books, I won't mention them. But if you think of any of the best-selling books out there, you would notice that they always are telling you that men are one thing and women are the other,
2: mm-hmm. right?
3: Okay. Um, our 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 assessment, our research has found that that is not the case. You have a lot of men that show the characteristics that they like to claim belong to women, and you have a lot of women that show a lot of the characteristics that have traditionally been only for men so our testing would show that you can be an x type man and we would like to refer to those as x men because we you know a lot of women have found them to be desirable so you could be one of the x men but in the book i have an entire chapter entitled y type women because you know it's a it's a group of women that uh, get overlooked get misunderstood very often when we've used terms like oh she's a, a gold digger Guess what? 99% of that time, that person, that woman is a white type female. Mm. And she may be completely misunderstood. Um, instead of gold digging, maybe she's into security. Maybe she's progressive and she wants, she thinks that a woman should, should work as hard as a man. And maybe she isn't anything close to what we, we stereotypically would call her. Um, uh-huh. Because she's a go-getter, like how we assume men to be. Oh, so nice. I, I had to write an entire chapter for women because I kept having women run into me at my workshops that I conduct in person and say, Dr. Jacob, thank you so much for writing this because I, my friends were making me feel like I was a man mm-hmm. and I'm not. I just have written things that I consider to be ideal. So that's one major difference. No such thing as men having one set of traits and women having another. Okay. Not at all. So that's number one. Number two i i do again i do not believe that the person who is showing less affection or less communication is always the person who is at fault in the relationship because this this comes from therapeutic models that have communicated that that the person who is less engaging should engage more Mm -hmm. and the person who is engaging a lot you're good you don't have to make any adjustment Mm
2: -hmm. that
3: is not how this model works this model says that you should adjust your your needs downward just like you expect your partner to adjust his needs upward so that you guys can meet within that range where brain finds it to be acceptable
2: okay
0: i really like that you said that because uh, as i was listening to you it almost sounds like the x were winning and the y had a lot of catching up to do but i like how you kind of said it It has nothing to do with gender has nothing to do with
3: you know no gender no blame no fault yeah that's awesome
0: Uh, yeah so we've been hearing some great things so how can somebody find you online like if they want to take the test online where can they go to do that
3: okay so you can go to xyconnectioncoaching.com and let me spell the connection for you c-o-n-n-e-x-i-o-n connection with an x um and that's an actual real word we didn't make it up it really means to bond like a strong bond so it's xyconnectioncoaching.com. I threw in the coaching there because I want people to understand that it's possible to self-coach. As long as you understand the concepts and you've taken the test so you know what your needs are, you get the book, you figure out exactly what needs to be tweaked. You and your partner could make a good go of this without seeking professional help. So xyconnectioncoaching.com and, you know, just get started.
0: Okay. And so that will be a way for them to be able to at least do the basic test to be able to yes. see their X, Y, and things like that. Correct. Okay. Great. All right. Well, Doc, I think you kind of hinted earlier that there's a second part to this. Uh, there's the expanded version. So maybe we'll have yeah. to have you back on here soon to kind of share a little bit more about that with us.
3: Sure. I would be happy to.
0: Okay. Great. Well, again, thank you for taking the time, and I uh, will see you guys later.